Hi, everyone. It's Tricia from the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation. Welcome to our brand new podcast series. Our patients, families, and caregivers have been asking us for more ways to learn about rare blood cancers and bone marrow failure diseases. So, we are coming to you today thanks to generous support from individual donors and our corporate partners, including Celgene. Today's episode is all about how we at AMDSIF can help you when you or someone in your life is first diagnosed. Future podcasts will talk about everything from what it's like to have a stem cell transplant as a patient and how researchers actually dream up new medications to treat those complicated diseases. First, I'd like to introduce Robert Burleson, the man who does the interviews for AAMDSIF, and Lee Clark, our patient educator. Welcome, Robert and Lee. Hello. Hi, Tricia. Thanks, Tricia. I'm pleased to introduce everyone to Lee Clark. Lee has been serving patients and families in the marrow disease community for many years, so she has some insights to share with us all. I also want to be sure to mention AAMDSIF has a toll-free helpline. That's 800-747-2820. This is for patients in the U.S. to call us and get accurate, current, and scientific information about diseases like MDS, AML, aplastic anemia, PNH, and more. Whether you call, use our free web chat, or just email us at help at aamds.org, you'll hear right back from Lee Clark. Hi there, Lee. Hi, Bob. Hi, Tricia. Thank you so much for having me on the first podcast. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about the foundation and how um, we've been for 35 years uh, serving patients and families in the bone marrow failure community. Okay, Lee, let's get started. Here's some questions our listeners may be interested in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Thanks, Bob. Okay, what happens when patients and family members call AAMDSIF? For example, let's say a newly diagnosed MDS patient calls you. You know, Bob, the decision for um, a patient, a family member, or a caregiver to pick up the phone and give us a call um, can be um, very um The decision for a patient and family or a caregiver to pick up the phone and call us can be very uh, traumatic. A lot of times people have been newly diagnosed with a disease that they've never heard of. Um, It's very scary. They're not sure um, what to expect when they call us. So, um, the, you know, picking up the phone and giving us a call um, is a, is a huge step um, for everyone. Um, and, deciding to um, find out about their illness, um, what they can do, and what supports um, that the foundation has to be able to offer. So when patients and families give us a call, um, the foundation, our goal is to provide um, information about their diagnosis, um, about what their treatment options are, 
If they're interested in finding out about clinical trials, um, it's also to help them with um, finding an expert in their disease. Um, we're here to provide supports through all phases of diagnosis, you know, from the, you know, the life-changing um, shock of being diagnosed to living through treatment and then f- trying to live beyond diagnosis and treatment into living well with their disease. Thank you. And another question, you get, of course, calls from patients themselves, but can another family member call? Let's say it's a parent of a newly diagnosed uh, child. Absolutely. Or grandparents calling about uh, someone in the family. Absolutely, Bob. The foundation is here to support not just patients, but caregivers, friends, really pick up the slack and take on some of their responsibility um, for helping the patients get the best information that they need. So the foundation is here not to just support patients, but anyone who's affected by the disease. Because once a patient is diagnosed, everyone in their entire family is diagnosed and they're affected in many different ways. Patients have their own concerns about being diagnosed. Family members have their own concerns because they are trying to do the best they can to support their family members. So absolutely, the foundation is here to support everyone affected by bone marrow failure diseases. Thank you for that uh, explanation. Now, moving on, when someone, you've heard plenty of this uh, over the years, when someone is first diagnosed What are just some questions and concerns they have, what they share with you when they call? Sure. Great question, Bob. And, you know, a lot of times when patients call or even the family members or the caregivers, they're shocked. The diseases that the foundation supports are rare diseases. So they're diseases they probably have never heard of, much less are able to pronounce. (laughs) Um, You know, so a lot of times it's, I'm diagnosed with, what was that? Um, So it's, you know, it's really hard for patients to you know, first they're diagnosed, there's the shock of diagnosis. So, you know, a lot of times the first questions are, I have no idea what I've been diagnosed with. What is this disease? You know, um, you know, a lot of times, is this cancer? Um, Not all the diseases that we support are cancer. Um, Certainly myelodysplastic syndromes, MDS, is considered a blood cancer, but aplastic anemia, PNH, PRCA are not considered a cancer. So that's one of the main questions. Please tell me, what is this diagnosis? The next question is, and it's always such a hard, hard question for anyone to be able to answer, not just as a foundation, but even their physicians, what is my prognosis? Um, What am I to expect? How long do I have to live? Um, And that's just so hard for anyone to be able to answer because the diseases affect everybody differently. It truly is a personal disease for all the diseases that we support. So it's really hard for doctors to be able to really give a prognosis. So that's always so tough for everyone because certainly that is something everyone wants to know no matter whatever illness that they've been diagnosed. The next uh, other important question that we get is, what are my treatment options? I, You know, it's, it's you know, 
Many years ago, there were not available treatment options that we, that we have today. Um, so it's, you know, there are FDA approved treatments. Um, there certainly are treatments that are in clinical trials right now. So that's another question that we get a lot of. Um, are there other options for me besides the FDA approved treatments? And another big question is for anyone that is a parent, um, does not matter whether you're the parent of a small child or whether you're the mom of adult children. Is this something that my loved ones have to be concerned about? Or is my diagnosis hereditary? So those are a lot of the key questions uh, that the foundation gets on a daily basis. And these are things you've heard over the years that keep coming in. Absolutely. And, you know, there are always you know, good questions, and it's sometimes can be very difficult sometimes to answer a lot of these questions because for the diseases that the foundation supports, they're still considered rare diseases. There's still so much research going on um, in the medical community. You know, doctors every day are finding new mutations or, you know, trying combination therapies or just finding things that even when I began at the foundation 11 years ago, doctors did not know 11 years ago. And today, there's just been so many scientific advancements. So what um, you're telling them today is quite different than what you were telling them 10 years ago. Absolutely. And I think that it's so important that, you know, the foundation is involved in all of this research through our research education grants uh, for our medical advisors, mm -hmm. for those. I mean, there's just so much going on. And, you know, every day it, it just seems that there's some type of new research that is going to be happening. Um, it's just amazing the strides that in the 11 years I've been with the foundation that I, that I have seen. And that's one thing that people would ask you about. One other question I have sure. is um, you've spoken about what people say when they call. Let's say somebody um, just wants to know how they can get uh, online information uh, what reliable sources are out there? What do you tell them about? Can you just mention a few of the main sources you would direct them to if they want to search out information on their own? Sure, Bob. That's a great question. Um, you know, for patients and families, you know, how wonderful it is it that we're able to access um, resources at our fingertips, whether you're, you know, on your phone um, you know, whether you're, you know, sitting at home uh, on your computer, your iPad, whatever the source is, that you're able to jump on, look up something, um, you know, and get great information. Un unfortunately, there's also a lot of bad information um, that's out there on the internet. So my best advice to patients is when you're looking for information, Online, you know, make sure that it's credible resources that you are looking at. Make sure that you're looking at um, patient advocacy organizations such as ours. Our web address is aamds.org. All of our information here at the foundation is reviewed 
by our medical advisory board. Our medical advisory board is made up of leading experts in the field of hematology oncology specific to the diseases that we support in the U.S. and internationally. All of our materials, whether it's on our website, our educational booklets and guides that um, patients and families contact us for is all reviewed to make sure that that information is the latest and greatest information in uh, disease and treatments. You can also take a look at websites, look at medical institutions such as the Cleveland Clinic, John Hopkins, uh, UCLA, you know, large medical facilities, especially teaching facilities, are where patients and families will find the best information. Those institutions are are where you will find the leading experts in our diseases. And, you know, looking at aplastic anemia, MDS, PNH, PRCA, um, AML, uh, those are where the leading experts are. Those are the institutions that are looking into research. They're, you know, looking at clinical trials. Um, certainly the National Institutes of Health um, is another organization, is another website um, that you definitely want to be taking a look at. So one thing, one key thing I always say is if you're on a organizational website, look and see who is their who who is their medical advisory board? Do they list a medical advisory board? You know, and certainly ask your medical team, hey, I'd like to get some more information. Do you have some suggestions where I may find some great information? You know, your your team, your medical team is there to support you and help you with the best information, you know, that is available. Thank you. And I guess the other side of that is that to avoid misleading or even fraudulent information, just to stay away from minor small websites and blogs and these things and it should be pretty easy to stay away from information and things that are just too good to be true absolutely and i think sometimes um for patients one of the things that they usually will call us back for once they first spoken to us is they've gone on the internet and they've read information that is really scary and they always give us a call back and say Hey, Lee, I just read this on the internet. Can you help me with this? So if you're reading information that is frightening, um, that is not what your medical team has told you, then you really should do some investigating just to make sure that that information is good and correct. Uh, certainly here at the foundation, we are happy to answer any and all of your questions. It doesn't matter, even if it's a small little question, I read this yesterday, can you please help me? Is this good information? That's what we're here for. We're here to help you with any and all questions that you, your family members have, your neighbors. We're here to be a support to everyone in your journey. Thanks, Lee. You've referenced a little of this, but as far as just getting medical help, what's the best way to start? You've spoken about calling us, but then when it's up to them to act on advice you've given, whether it's contacting the big uh, medical and research, academic research centers, is there anything, any way they should progress in that kind of activity? Absolutely. So, when patients are in the process of first getting diagnosed, most of them let us know um, that they 
were not feeling like themselves. They were feeling tired or they started noticing bruising on their on their body or they had these little dots all over their skin, which is known as petechiae. Um, so they started noticing things about themselves that they felt were not normal or or were concerning to them. So they go to their primary care physician and hey, I don't feel good. Um, usually physicians, you know, run a CBC or they there's some way that they ended up getting told they need to go see a hematologist or an oncologist because something is not right. So at that point, um, once they get in to see a hematologist, and that's pretty much sometimes where the diagnosis process is going to start. So there'll be lots of tests that are being run. And that is that can be extremely scary because you know something's not right. You're not exactly sure what is going to happen. So a lot of times diagnosis can either happen in a primary care physician or they happen to happen at a local hematologist. And one thing is not every hematologist, oncologist will ever see a case of the diseases that our foundation supports, aplastic anemia, MDS, PNH, PRCA, AML. So at that point, they need to find a specialist. They need to find somebody that is an expert in their disease. And oh my, where do you start? Um, you know, and sometimes patients are very fortunate that their hematologist has a colleague or knows where to refer them to. So a lot of times the calls that we get are, I've just been diagnosed and I need to find an expert and they need help finding an expert. There are experts throughout the U.S. and internationally. Um, so finding an expert is one of the things that we're able to help patients and families with getting to see that expert in their in their disease. So that's a service that we are able um, to provide everyone. So sometimes my best advice is look at your medical, in, your large medical institution in the area where you are located. Um, a lot of times, you know, there are the researchers there that can be of assistance. A lot of times patients do have to go outside of their area. Unfortunately, with our, with the diseases being so rare, there's not going to be an expert locally. So we're able to help with patients going out to see, to get a second opinion. And I can't stress enough, it is perfectly okay for you to seek a second opinion. Um, the diseases are rare. Um, it's always great to get another opinion. Certainly, um, it is not, should, should not be offensive to your medical provider. You can never have enough opinions. You can never have enough medical advice because your journey is probably going to be long. Um, you're going to have a lot to deal with. So having an expert on your team is one of the, my best advice. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. And could you also speak just briefly um, about how clinical trials might play a part in approaching treatment? Absolutely. So clinical trials are how FDA-approved treatments are FDA-approved. And, you know, his, a lot of times when uh, um, patients are approached about a clinical trial, 
it is extremely scary because there is a stigma about clinical trials that you're going to be, as patients will say to me, I don't want to be a guinea pig. How do I know I'm getting the treatment? I don't want a placebo. I want to be treated. So clinical trials are safe. They're vetted by um, large institutions. Doctors must follow um, the protocols that are approved by the IRB, who mm-hmm. oversees clinical trials. Um, and clinical trials are something that you should definitely ask your physician about. I mean, they're a way that you can be involved in the research and expanding of future treatments. And sometimes, unfortunately, for patients who don't respond well to treatments, clinical trials are a way that patients can still receive treatment um, and hopefully continue to do well with their disease. And one thing that I would say, Bob, is if anyone is interested in looking at clinical trials, the best place to find clinical trials is a website, which is clinicaltrials.gov. Every clinical trial that is available that is approved by the IRB um, is on that website and is so easy to use. You just type in your diagnosis. Um, Every clinical trial that is available will um, come up on your search. Once you pull up a clinical trial that you're interested in, all the information about that clinical trial is there. What's the purpose of the trial? Who is eligible for the trial? Um, What are going to be your requirements as a patient? Because that can be prohibitive to some patients. Um, You know, they don't have the availability, you know, three times a week uh, to go. But there's so much information on there. And most importantly, the contact information about who is the principal investigator about that trial is listed. You as a patient can reach out to those principal investigators yourself and say, you know, I'm an MDS patient. I would like to know more about your trial. You don't have to have your current physician to do that for you. You as a patient can contact anyone about any clinical trial that you, you know, have an interest in. Contact them directly. Absolutely. Can I can I ask you a question? Sure, Lee? Trisha. Thanks. Thank you. Um first of all, you used a couple of terms that I don't I don't know. What's a what's a principal investigator? What is that? Oh, great question, Tricia. So the principal investigator is the medical professional that is running the trial. Oh. That is the physician um, at the institution that you are looking to participate in the trial. So that person knows everything about that trial. They know what the criteria is to participate. They also know what the criteria is that may prohibit you uh, from participating. Do do you you, mean that they would actually talk to me if I'm a patient on the phone? Absolutely. Wow. And, And I will say sometimes if there's not a phone number listed, there's an email listed. Don't be afraid to email the physician and say, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you about this trial. They will get back to you. Um, so don't don't think if there's not a phone number listed um, that they do not want to hear from you as a patient because they do want to hear from you as a patient. And I have I have one more term. What's an IRB? 
You can describe it if you don't know what the initials are for. Just tell me what an IRB is. Institutional Review Board. Thank you. The Institution Review Board. And that is the board that reviews all clinical trials to make sure that they are safe for patients. So when a physician has a great idea of something that they would like to put forth to better help patients, it just doesn't happen. There is a long process that all clinical trial protocols have to go through to ensure the safety of patients involved. Thanks, Lee. Now, Lee, let's shift over just to a slightly different subject just for a moment. Um, If a patient thinks he or she may need professional help in coping with a diagnosis that's quite frightening, or just dealing psychologically with a chronic illness, what options are there? Of course, could you speak a little bit about what AMDSIF offers or other options patients may have to get uh, help that's above and beyond the medical uh, treatment that they'll be receiving? Sure. Thanks, Bob. That's, I think that's so important because, you know, the... The shock of diagnosis um, is extremely overwhelming for patients. It's more than just, I've been diagnosed, let's talk about the treatments. There are other things that patients start swirling around um, in their minds, and it's about what's going to happen to me. How do I tell my family members that I've just been diagnosed with, a, with an illness that no one has probably ever heard of in their family or their friends? How do I tell my children? Um, it can be so debilitating for patients and, and for family members. Not, not only patients need support, but family members also, because they're concerned. How do I help my loved one? What's going to happen to my loved one? How do I... How do I best support them? So, you know, having these concerns, um, you know, it's, it is a mourning process that all patients go through. You know, there's, you feel angry. Why did this happen to me? How did this happen to me? You know, most people were, you know, I, I was healthy. I, I never, I didn't have an, you know, I never knew that I was not well. Um, and then there's, you know, you go through anger and then there's, you know, trying to cope with all of the emotions. So I think it's really important if you're feeling overwhelmed with your diagnosis, if you're feeling sad, um, if you're angry, to certainly talk to your medical team, let them know that you're having these feelings. Um, most Medical facilities have social workers um, that can talk with you about the way that you're feeling. Um, you know, psychologists are available. Um, you know, there's there are psychiatrists that do specialize in helping patients who have been diagnosed with an illness. Um, and seeking help from a psychiatrist um, is... You know, there's no stigma. There's no stigma about that. Absolutely. I mean, it is it is extremely overwhelming to be dealing with all of the decisions that you have to make. I've been mm-hmm. diagnosed. I've got to decide on treatments. 
I my doctor isn't an expert, so now I've got to go find one. I mean, there's just so much going on, and there's support groups. I know. Um, yes, could you speak a little bit sure. about uh, what those are the professionals people might contact? Absolutely. What so AAMDSIF offers as far absolutely. as uh, connecting people. Absolutely. So for you know, going to a group where you're going to be sitting around talking to people who know what it's like to be you can be very, uh, very helpful. Um, so at the foundation, we have several supports for patients to be able to connect with others that are just like them. They've been diagnosed. They know what you're going through. They've either getting ready to go through treatment, been through treatment, so they know all of the things that you're feeling, all the things that you're going through. So we have support groups throughout the U.S. that patients can physically go to and participate. We have what's called our peer support network. And our peer support network is a wonderful group of patients, families, and friends that have been diagnosed, been through treatment, they're doing well, and they want to give back. They know what it's like to be you. So our peer support network is actually what I refer to as our telephone supports. Um, It's someone that you can reach out and talk to over, reach out and talk to over the phone. On our website, another wonderful feature uh, that we have is our website chat so if, you, if you're on our website and you look at the lower right-hand corner of the screen, there's going to be a little red box and it says chat. It's a way that we can have a direct conversation. I will say, if you ever send the chat and it says, I need to get back to you, that just means that I'm currently helping another patient, please let me know, leave me a little message, and I will get right back to you. I'm happy to give you a call, or I'm happy to respond back to you by email. So the chat is just another way of it's contacting an, us, like the phone or email? Abs- absolutely. And um, if you happen to call and we're not during office hours, the chat is still available. It says leave leave a message, and we will get back to you as soon as possible the next business day. Another wonderful thing that we um, that is going to be up and coming. Um, we're looking at uh, beginning of 2019 is our online community called Marrow Communities. And this is going to be a forum where patients can communicate with others um, in a safe environment um, and be able to communicate through threads about all kinds of topics. Um, diagnosis, treatments, uh, any living well topics. Um, also a great way to find out about um, our patient and family conferences because that is a wonderful way to learn from the leading experts, um, whether it international experts that we bring in, uh, U.S.-based experts, but that is a wonderful way to learn about your diagnosis, connect with others in person. Um, and we have our wonderful live webinars. And these are um, live programs that happen several times a month. There are various topics about disease, treatments, living well. Um, there's a 40-minute presentation by a leading expert. And at the during the presentation, you can let us know what questions you have and get your questions answered. And one of the things about our webinars is they're archived. 
So if you're not available to attend one of our webinars on any given day, they're all archived to our online academy, usually within four to seven business days, and you are able to access that whenever it is convenient for you and your family. And one thing I like to say is all of our services that we have to support patients and families is for not just patients, but it's for caregivers and anyone that we're available to help. And one of the things is if we're if we're never not available to answer your questions or we don't know the answer or we don't have the support that you're looking for, you can count on us. We will help you find what it is that you need, refer you to other places that you can go because it's so important to us that you get what you need to best help you and your family members on your journey. Lee, thanks for a large amount of directly relevant information on what AAMDSAF offers, what patients should do, what they can expect when they contact us, and the many options they have to get help. But just in closing, can you tell us about, I guess, a touching experience that you've had with one of the many, many patients who have contacted you over the last 11 years? Oh, Bob, uh, that's um, there's been so many because I've just in the last 11 years, it's just such a privilege every day to be able to help some patients and families and caregivers because we never really know um, sometimes what we've done that helps someone, um, it, whether it's something that we've said, um, a resource that we have uh, referred to. So I have a lot of those. Um, Just pick but the I, best one. Sure. I think I think the one that comes to mind is um, we were contacted by a lovely couple. Um, she had recently been diagnosed with MDS, had never heard of the diagnosis, <laughs> um, as mm-hmm. you know, most people had not, and she and her husband, we had a wonderful conversation about um, treatment, about disease, what all the options were. It was wonderful. And at the end of our conversation, I reassured them and I said, you don't need to be, you don't need to worry. There's light at the end of your tunnel. You're going to be okay. And we ended the conversation and not too long after that, I received a phone call back. Um, they had taken some of the advice that we had given them, and I was so touched because she had written an article for her church newsletter. She's very involved in in her church, and the article title for was Light at the End of Your Tunnel. So she used the phrase yes. that you just happened to Use yourself. It stayed with her. Absolutely. And she had those words gave her inspiration. And um, that was 10 years ago. And we still talk actively off and on. And that has always stayed with her that I gave her hope and inspiration that she was going to be okay. And, And I'm happy to say she is doing well. So it just, it was just so touching that those words have stayed with her throughout her journey and are an inspiration uh, to help her and her family, you know, keep moving forward. So it's just, you know, the foundation is all about providing people answers to their questions, hope for their future, and to provide supports through all phases 
that patients are going through. Again, the life-changing phase of diagnosis, going through treatment, and to help them live well um, to the future. So I would encourage anyone, no matter what your question is, reach out to us. Don't be afraid. We're here to help you. Even we're here just to be, even if it's just to be the voice, you know, that provides you comfort and we're the ear that listens to what you have to say. You're not alone and we're, we're here for you. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate so much your sharing your wisdom. I think that you've really helped us all understand how we can help patients advocate for themselves as they go through their marrow failure disease journey. Would you both be willing to come back? Absolutely. Thanks, Tricia. Absolutely will be. That's wonderful. We have great plans for our future podcast. So check the website and social media to discover when the next one comes online. And thank you, special listener, for spending time with us today. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.